Are you recording it to play it another day, or are you just going live? Uh, no, this is this is actually my first time doing it, like um, like with this and stuff like this, like a virtual interview. So right now I'm just recording it on Skype, and then um, once I record it, download it, I'm gonna upload it up to um, oh, our Buzzsprout page, and then once we get our, and then once I get like, I want to get like five episodes in the can. This will be like my third one, and then once I get the uh, you know five in the can, then from there I'll just um. Start promoting it, putting it out there, start pushing it. Well, you been good? Oh yeah, man, I've been good. I've been good. Been good, man. Just staying on this uh this comedy grind, uh staying on this acting grind. The uh was it the uh uh oh our strike. The strike just ended, so now we're all just all of us actors are slowly just starting to get back into um work on these sets and stuff like that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but what about you, man? What you been up to? Same old grind, man. You know, just, just doing comedy, working, grandfather. You know, same old stuff. I mean, I just, I mean, I, I, it don't stop for me. Working out, you know, trying to eat cleaner, all that. It don't stop for me. You know, it don't stop. How do you feel that's kind of like, um, like with that balance and stuff like that? Because sometimes, like being like a stand-up comedian, it can lead to like you know, um, unhealthy habits. You know. Uh, and unhealthy lifestyles. Uh, how do you kind of balance that being a comedian, but then still, um, like I said, keeping your sanity and being like this, um, you know, healthy person? Well, I mean, the alternatives are not good. And I mean, I, 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 um, I mean, I'm OCD, first of all, plus, um, like I said, the alternative is not good. So I like to, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the type of person that looks at everything. And um, a lot of people don't get to see their grandparents because they die before they can enjoy them. You know, these kids, grandparents die when they're, when they're in their 40s, and, I mean, 50s and 60s, and the grandkids are two, three, four, so they have no recollection or they don't remember their grandparents because for those reasons. I'm trying to be here for mine. So. Mm. That's good. That's good. You got life insurance. You guys got that. Just play this because I do life insurance. I'm also life insurance agent. That's like one of my uh, the plugs and stuff like that. But you're a salesman person too. You uh, how long you are you back into selling cars? Oh yeah, I, back, uh, I actually manage another car dealership in Tracy. Same company I was with for 23 years or something. I just I went back and doing the um, managing the dealership. So, okay. Cool, cool, nice, nice. You got any um, you got any shows coming up to end up the uh, to end the the season, the holiday season this year? Yeah, I got a show on the 16th mm. at um at Tailgaters in in Antioch. It's actually a showcase. It has 11 comics. We're doing Def Jam sets, which is seven or eight minutes. And um the promote the producers of Ray, um, <clears throat> Life of Palooza, and actually the Jamie Foxx show. They're all here, and they're coming to look for new comics for a comedy tour. And for a new sitcom that's coming up. So we have 11 of us are doing seven-minute sets for them. Okay, nice, nice. And you're plugged in with, um, who is it, Tommy T's? Because you helped us get our show at Tommy T's, which, again, thank you. I appreciate that, too. That was... Oh, no problem, man. Yeah, Tommy T's is, like, kind of my home club. I mean, I do a lot of shows there. I do my own shows. I do hosting. I do featuring. Whatever they need me to do, you know, I'll I'll do, man. It's, It's a nice, nice club, and... They, they really take care of me over there. You know, they gave me my first, my first um, own full show there. And 
it holds 325 and I had 325 in there and turned away about 120. No, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. If anything, we all know Big Sass. One thing he gonna do, he gonna bring the people out and stuff like that. That's definitely for sure, man. Definitely for sure. Any show you do, it's always gonna be a good crowd, good vibes, good energy. I mean, that's part of my OCD, man. I just like I push stuff because I want my comics. If it's, you know, my show, I want my comics to come out to people. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm on the show, I want my comics. I mean, my my fans to to see me and and get a get a good program and um. Because even if they don't like me for whatever reason, they might like somebody else on the show. They might start following them and, you know, and, and um, help get them forward in the game. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, all that all that comes together. Yeah. And how many shows are you doing at? Um, do they usually do about at Tommy T's? I mean, I use I, can, I usually do my if I do my own show, it's one. But like if I do I do weekends, like I've done. Um, I was there at Mike Epps probably three or four weeks ago. I've done. Melody Camacho, I've done, I mean, um, Gerald Kelly. I do whole weekends with, which is five or six shows sometime also. Or I do my, my own show, which is one show, but they're going to give me 2024. I'm going to do a um, Big Sass and Friends weekend at Tommy T's, which I'll have five shows, four nice. shows and five shows. Nice, nice, nice. We'll mm -hmm. definitely be on the lookout for that. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy because, you know, when, uh, when I came up, my whole life, people like you should be in comedy, you should be on the stage, you should be on TV, you know. And I'm grinding, you know, taking care of my family, all that old kind of stuff. And you know, you hear that stuff your whole life. And then one day, it's about five and a half years ago, um, I was sitting at a comedy show, just got off work, had a shirt and tie on, just watching the show, sitting with some people, and just being me, you know, being silly and making comments and all that kind of stuff. And there's a table of people behind me, and they were like doubled over, cracking up. And they came over and said, who are you, man? I said, I'm, I'm you know, KJ, I'm a car salesman. They said, nah, man, you need to be on the stage. And it ended up being Tony Schofield, Tony Roberts, and the whole KBLX crew because it was their show. And they put me on <clears throat> uh, put me on a single to mile show, my first show, which was five years ago, May. Oh, nice. And ever since ever since then, it's been it's been crazy. It's been full speed ahead, you know? So I saw you've been doing, you've been doing comedy for five years? Yeah, about that. I had a little over five, a little over five. Did you ever see yourself? I don't, I don't, huh? I was gonna say, did you ever see yourself doing comedy? I mean, I, I've been I've been a fool and acting like this my whole life. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's like comedy's not a job for me. It's not a job if you like what you're doing. So it's, it's never really comedy's never been really a job for me. <clears throat> but what I've learned behind the scenes and stuff about comedy is way different than I ever thought. You know, comedy was gonna be though. It really is way different than I ever thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times people think that it's just like we just get up on stage and then we just it just comes to us or we have to be like that 24 seven. But like mm -hmm. it's it's so much more than that, because like it's almost like you just the only time you need, you should be funny is when you're on the stage, because like out, off the stage and stuff like that, especially like, you know, dealing with Tommy T's like it's a business. So you got to you got to be professional. You got to carry yourself professionally and stuff like that. But then, like also I said, just just also enjoying the journey. Yeah, I mean it's it's the, the like I said the behind the scenes stuff is 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 different than I thought. But at the end of the day, it's 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 comedy and it's doing what you do. That's you know at the end of the day that's that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I can do all shows. I do church. I do Danville, Wanda Creek, or I do Tommy T's, or I do Ratchet, whatever you whatever, whoever got the bag. You know what I'm saying? I can adjust. But you don't think about all that stuff when you're doing comedy. You know one of the things that surprised me is when I took the stage 
and started doing comedy clubs and I'm looking out there and I really can't see the audience because the bright lights are in your face. See, that's something when you're watching the show, you don't think about, you know what I'm saying? So then I realized the reason why they have the bright lights is because of facial expressions. You know, when you're telling your stories and doing comedy, everybody has to see your facial expressions, but they have bright lights on you. You know, you don't, you don't realize that, you know, being in an audience, but I really can't see maybe the front row only. I can't see nobody else, you know? That part's crazy. And when I did the Paramount with Michael Blackstone, Lil Duval, Living Your Best Life Tour, they was like, when you tell your jokes, slow down because it has to go all the way to the back and upstairs, and then they have to respond, and then it has to come all the way back forward. So it's not like being in a little comedy club. Everybody's right there in front of you. You have to, you know what I'm saying? It's just all kind of little stuff that you wouldn't necessarily even think about that you do have to take in consideration. Oh, interesting. Interesting. What are, who are some of your favorite comedians to work with both, I guess you could say on the mainstream level and then like, you know, the, you know, the up and coming comedians that, you know, you might see around in the Bay Area or Sacramento a lot. My, my favorite, my favorite, um, big stars that I really, really liked. And I, I've been, I've been friends with this cat before I even started doing comedy is Mike Epps. Mike Epps been a good friend of my brother. So he'd been around and I went backstage at his shows and stuff way before I started even getting into comedy. He's he's on top of the list. Um, I think Cat Williams is hilarious. You know, when Cat Williams is on, he's 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 a very funny brother. You know what I'm saying? He's he's actually he's he's hilarious. And the the, the reason Cat Williams and Mike Epps I think are, are more funnier than a lot of the bigger mainstream cats, but they they're not socially acceptable from their style of comedy and what they do, mm. and they didn't buy into and buy into the game. I mean, I'm not saying I'm mad at the brothers for buying into the game because it's paying their bills. I'm not saying Mike Epps and Cat Williams don't have no money. They have tens of millions, but they don't have hundreds of millions. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because they didn't they didn't buy they didn't buy into the game. But um, those cats are uh, good. My local guys. The first show I ever did in my life was with Mario Hodge. Oh he yeah. Kind of got called last minute to come, and that brother's been looking out for me. Um, Tristan Johnson. Um, Tristan actually. I went to watch him at a comedy club and we started talking afterwards. I didn't even know he was a comic or nothing. I just showed up there and he went and headlined the show. Me and him was kicking it before he went on stage and he got me started on a few shows. Um, Jay Rich, you know, who's up and coming in the Bay Area, $10,000 comedy competition. These guys are beasts. And I mean, I'm telling you guys, you better see him now because once it gets to that point, it's going to cost you a lot more money to see him. Even Jerry Law put me on some shows. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> I have respect to all them brothers, you know, and, and, and they, I mean, a lot of shows, like I said, these guys put me on, you know, five minutes here, three minutes here, whatever, you know, if you could, if you're trying to be up and coming in the business, if you can get two minutes of Buffalo Wild Wings, I would take it, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Get your, get your mic game up, get in front of people, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's it'll be well worth it for you in the future. I know my, I know I can see my growth and how I've improved over five years from just going up there and telling jokes going up there and actually telling stories, creating stories, and letting people create the pictures in their mind, which gets the punchline that you're looking for. Yeah, one thing I will say definitely about all those comedians that you named from like um, Mario, Tristan, uh, Jay Rich, and Jerry Law is one, they're like you say, they're both, well, all four of them are, are just beast. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, mm -hmm. there's that, that bottle, you know, beast make beast. So just being mm -hmm. around those guys, being able to soak up the game and stuff like that makes you a better comedian. Mm -hmm. But then not only on that, on the flip side, like they don't have to give you stage time, but they're the type they of, they don't, but they're the type of people that will, 
You know what I'm saying? And so that you also see that growth in yourself and just kind of see that validation. You're like, okay, yeah, I could do this. I did. There's another brother I didn't mention is um, <laughs> I've probably been on 50 to 75 shows with um Hannibal Thompson. I've been on tour with Hannibal Thompson. Um, he puts me on a lot of his shows, and Hannibal is. I mean, he's he's one of those next level cats. You know what I'm saying? And the thing with him is, it's it's a vibe with him. He don't care about your comedy, and he don't care about you know what he's heard about you. You got to vibe with this cat. You got to be able to when y'all sitting around chilling, talked it up. You got to have something in common, you know what I'm saying? Family, business, job, laughter. You have to have something in common, you know what I'm saying? It's like you have to have a vibe with him. And like I said, I've done five five weekends of Tommy T's with him. I've done Yoshi's with him. I've done Tommy T's. Uh, I've, been, I've been all over with him. I mean, I've probably been on 50 to 75 shows with him. He's taught me a lot, but he's taught me like a lot of the business end of it, you know what I'm saying, also. And I help him out the business end. He helps me out the business end. And like Tristan, the thing with Tristan is when he started putting me on shows, he was like, Saz, you're an OG. You know, you, you've grown. You're, you're a real cat. You work. You grind. He said, I'm going to teach you this comedy game. You teach me the grown man game. So we've all had, we've had this working relationship for probably four or five years now, you know. Nice, nice. How, how far do you, you want to go in comedy? Um, this, this is, I'm not going to pass down too many opportunities you know i have but i'm not going to pass down too many more i mean i'm 63 years old you know i was semi-retired i'm getting to that point so uh, i want to get to the point where um comedy will be what i do you know what i'm saying at, at eventually where i can support what i have to support and do what i have to do by just doing comedy you know what i'm saying so it's going to get to that point you know and I don't mind promoting and producing and putting on shows. That's that's a that's a that's another way to be involved in comedy. Like baseball players, when they don't play no more, they start managing, coaching, or owning a team. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I want to stay involved some kind of way. So only God knows how far it's going to take me. I truthfully didn't know how far it's going to take me when I got into it. You know what I'm saying? But I've been to Paramount. I've done the Coliseum. I've worked with some of the one one of my one of my odd moments is my whole family been in theater and acting and stuff my whole life. So I had Al Pacino's been at my house before Godfather and all the stuff, and it was all coming up. But one of my odd moments was when I walked out on the stage at the Paramount before anybody was there. It was like two hours before showtime, and I just walked out there and looked at it, and um, it was empty. And I just looked and I said, for thirty years I've been paying to come see people here. For 30 years, I've been coming to see the Bernie Macs and the DC Currys and, and the Tommy Davisons for 30 years, and now I'm on the stage, and I'm performing here on the same stage in the same venue that all my idols and stuff was on. So that was like an odd moment for me, personally. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, what do you say, you take it back to, like, when you talk about, like, working with Hannibal Thompson and, like, how you, like, like we got to the dynamic where you say like we gotta we gotta get along or i gotta you know i gotta find something in common with you and stuff like that because i just went to um mm -hmm. it was um uh, i guess a training class or whatever um to learn to be mm -hmm. do like pa work and be a production assistant on films and stuff like that and that was one right. of the things that the um one of the uh spokespersons had talked about was saying that like if i want you on my team and stuff like that to work together like i gotta be able to it's not about like it's not about how funny you are off stage it's about who are you off stage like can i talk with you can i hang out with you can i can i share a beer with you and you know maybe open up to you about something that maybe personal is going on and you're not going to take it any type of way or you know look at me funny uh a lot of people don't understand that like especially this entertainment game man like the 
one of the, the most valuable traits you could have is like networking and being able to um, find somebody that you could vibe with, get along with just because working with artists in general, whether it's comedians, actors, I'm pretty sure with singers, whoever it may be, like um, we may be very talented artistic wise, but sometimes like our, our personality traits kind of are kind of off. Our people skills are off. So being able to find somebody that you could work with. So the thing, the thing with Hannibal, our, our relationship is like why well, I say that, that I get on a lot of his shows and I've been like 50 to 75 shows with him. Because a lot of people are like, well, he don't put them on our shows and stuff. It's not a matter of just putting people on the shows. You understand? Like when when I call Hannibal, if I'm at a venue and, you know, I say, how many how many minutes out are you? He'll say, I'm 20 minutes. I say, okay, cool. But when he gets there, he knows, I already got the lineup. I already got the music. I already got the people set up. Everything. When he walks in, all he has to do is say hi to everybody and go on stage. He put that much trust in me because he knows I'm going to get his back. Or if he's early, he'll have everything done. But he knows he don't have to worry about it. If I'm there, whoever the other comics and stuff are, I'm going to have it organizing together. That's part of my OCD, but that's part of my making everything come to fruition also. Also, um, like at the end of his sets, he does a, 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 it's called a fuck it up sis section where he dances and all that. No matter what club or where we at, he knows he can go right into it because I'm already at the DJ booth with the songs, queuing them up. You know, when he gets into that part, I'm known already. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's that kind of stuff. And he knows, he says, they got a count of such and such, such and such at this venue. How many did you get? Because he knows I did already counted already. And, you know, I got his back. I know where his stuff is. He knows you know, we watch each other's back, everything. It's a whole vibe thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like people, some people you put on a show and they won't even put the flyer up, you know, or the day before the show to put the flyer up. I mean, that, that ain't going to work. You need to promote just like everything else. So he knows he doesn't have to worry about that or telling me to have to do that when I'm with him on a, on a, on a project. He knows, you know what I'm saying? We got each other's back like that. We meet and shoot skits together. We go out and sell tickets together. We are, so he knows that he don't have to say nothing to me like that. It's automatic. You know? mm. But I mean, Hannibal's successful because he's successful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's successful because he's successful. What's so funny but coming up in the game People will help you be successful as long as you don't get more successful than they are. I've learned that in the comedy game, too. Everybody give you five and ten minutes here and there. But if you start doing your own thing and you start getting better at your craft or you start getting shows, you know, they want to know if they can get on your shows and they want to come, you know, on your short coattails. But once you started getting successful, they kind of cut you off a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. they'll help you be successful until you get more successful. Than, I mean, Hannibal, I, I done met Hannibal on Hayward and. Oakland and we done chopped it up and laughed and giggled and all. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we vibe. That's the reason why I'm on a lot of shows and I love working with the brother. We shoot, we shot, shoot a movie together too, a full-length feature film together. We won't get into that, but you know, it's, it's a vibe and that's that's more important than anything. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, you had brought that up about um, you just said it. Oh, like with um, like as you start, you, people don't want you to be more successful than them and stuff like that. What do you think that is exactly? Do you think it's like, because I, I think you could go both ways. It could be like, yeah, they maybe feel like, oh, well, I helped them out, but now I'm feeling some type of, you know, s spitefulness about it. Or is it they, they feel that, oh, you, you're so successful to the point where like, oh, I can't reach out to him no more. So th th this is my thing. I mean, I, I <laughs> this is my third successful career. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 63 years old. So I, this is my third successful career. So I don't have any animosity. I don't take it personal from nobody because like I said, this is my third successful career. So as far as the comedy game goes, I'm gonna let the comedy game take me where the comedy game takes me, but I'm not gonna have no animosity towards anybody. That's like, if I have two houses and somebody has five, 
I'm not going to hate on somebody because they have five houses. I want to know if the brother figured out a way to do it better than I I did, why should I be mad at him for that? Mm -hmm. I had the same opportunities he had. You know, I had the same... I've had the same two minutes, three minutes, four minutes on the stage working my way up to longer time as these people had. If they found the same jokes that they did 10 or 12 years ago, that that's not me either. That's 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 that, that's on them. Mm-hmm. You know? And if I my because of who I am when I get on the stage and I do a show or I do a set, and if I bomb bomb and people they get in their feelings about that, I will say, when's the next show? Because I know I'm going to a six-figure job when I walk off the stage. I know there's gonna be another stage that I'm gonna get on. And I don't take that stuff personally. I just don't take it personally. So I don't let nobody get under my skin personally on that. I just don't. I mean, if they, if they should be, they should be saying to themselves, "How come this guy been in the game shorter and he got farther along than I have? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you figure out how to do that instead of like, ah, uh, this woo 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 woo? You know what I'm saying? I would go the other way with that. I would flip it the other way. I would flip it the other way. I'm like, what did this, what did this person do to get, you know, more ahead than I am at this point in the game? That's me. Mm-hmm. That's how I do. You know. Yeah. Yeah, because you can learn something from everybody, man. It's like if they're like, because the game changes so rapidly. Like, I remember when I first started doing comedy, probably like seven years ago, um, everybody was talking about like it takes you a long time to develop, you know, a 10 minute set or, you know, five, like just, just the amount of time that they say it takes to, you know, develop a set, a quality set that, you know, is, you know, worthy of being on their show or whatever it may be, because it's all, you know, based off their opinion. Um, and, but then now when I see other comedians coming up and stuff like that and her tell like, like maybe they only maybe been in for like six or seven months. I'm like, well, how much time do you have? And here say like, oh, well, I got a solid ten minutes. I'm like, but maybe, no, that's the game because it changes it. You can't hate on it. Like if they if they got that, then you know what I'm saying they got. Now if they if now if you they happen to not have that ten minutes and it's like you know, <laughs> then that's on them. But like I say, just 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 other just the way the comedy game has just grown so rapidly, especially with the power of like social media and just how quickly people want it, like fast, 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 like. The, the the dynamic of having a you know a, a ten minute set you know in two thousand twenty three is different than what a ten minute set would be you know back in two thousand eighteen two thousand seventeen. So the the rule the rule to the game is see I I also study the game when I say I study the game I'm like an all aspects person I I was always taught to learn your boss's job mm-hmm. so if he's off that day and you can fill in and do what you got to do you know they're gonna look at you so the rule is you're supposed to have not supposed to have fifteen minutes for five years. That's the rule. Five years. Fire. I'm talking about fire 15 minutes. Not mm-hmm. no pointing to the crowd. Where you from? I'm talking about real fire. 15 minute set should take you five years. My first show, it was 170 people in there. I had 90. All these people have been wanting to see me take the stage. I didn't know nothing about nothing, buddy. Nothing. I went on the stage. I did 27 minutes. 27 minutes. I did a little, you know, I did, thir- I did like, tw- like 15 then I, you know, did a little stuff, and then I did another 14. Then they told me they was flashing me, giving me the light, but I didn't know what the light was. I didn't know what none of that stuff was. I went up there, and it was all my folks in there, and I did 27 minutes. And that's the show I was on with Mario, my very first show. And they're like, Sass, you know, that's like almost like comedy suicide. And I was like, what? What did I just say? Man, you, you just did, you showed me the clock, 20, 20, almost 28 minutes. And I said, okay. I had my stuff in my head, and I had it, and I did it. And they're like, no, nah, dude, that's but i didn't know i didn't know nathan i didn't know nathan you know but um you're supposed to have 15 solid minutes after five years now of course there's some people that's fast tracked a little better than that and there's some people takes a little longer but true story um chris tucker 
said if you know now he could probably do it but if a couple of years ago he said if they told me they'd give me 10 million dollars to do an hour on netflix he said i couldn't do it so what happened with chris tucker was he had that def jam six minute set that he, he carried all over los angeles los angeles and vegas for six or seven months and because of his quirky personality they snatched him up and put him in movies mm-hmm. but he never did the seven minute set the 15 minute set the 20 minute set the headline he's never he never had to do that so he got snatched up because of his personality so he said truthfully if i had to do an hour somewhere he said man i wouldn't know what to do you know so they, they say five years you're supposed to have 15 minutes of fire mm. you know so okay cool i'll take note of that all right man so let me see let's hop into some of these uh topics that i just like i said i just looked up some headlines and stuff like that we'll see what's going on in the world of entertainment and stuff like that i'm gonna give you my honest opinion they call me big sass 100 because i keep shit 100 i'm gonna tell you for sure for sure good that's that's why we brought you on here man my, my um, dad told me if you look at somebody if you're looking across with somebody and they can't whoop you and they can't eat you baby do what you say what you gotta say mm. let's get right into it with the nitty gritty the nitty gritty um uh derek chauvin uh the police officer that killed uh um george floyd he was uh Mm -hmm. he was stabbed 22 times 22 times times, Mm -hmm. man i said the irony of that is that it happened on black friday Mm -hmm. yeah you know it was trying to take some of that weight off of him because they wanted everything at thirty percent off since it was yeah. Black Friday. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they <laughs> get some of that meat and some of that blood out of him, yeah. that discount, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it, it is, it is, it is, it is ironing. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy because we don't even know if it's connected to that, but because it's connected to that, it's yeah. connected to that. Yeah, just because that's his history. You know his history is like you killed. Yeah, yeah so yeah. they don't even they didn't even release who it was and they remember bad guys, but we're like, oh, it was a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> he could have stole somebody's apple pie in jail yeah. or something. He got stuck up, but you know it happened on Black Friday. And who he is? It's... How many other people got stabbed in jail that week? I mean, we talked about the one, the one cat. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We talked about the one cat, but it's crazy. I think there's a lot more people that's involved in those situations that we know than, than we really know about. You know what I'm saying? And they're walking around scot free, but he's in jail at least well they put him in jail just to keep the madness down you know that yeah yeah they, so just, they had to show they was doing something because you know people getting tired yeah they just, tired. yeah getting tired motherfuckers next was about to start a goddamn war if they let another mm-hmm. police officer off and shit like that ever since then they just they just kind of just stopped covering it then they's like we just gonna stop <laughs> gonna, right. gonna stop making headlines about black people dying because it's gonna get to the point where we got to start blocking up these police officers and shit you know, you know how many, you know how many police shootings there are in this country every year. I would have doubt a lot. Be a guess. A guess. Be a guess. A guess. I say like, uh, like close to a thousand. Thousands. Thousands. Sixteen hundred, twenty-two, sixteen hundred, twenty-two hundred, twenty-eight hundred. Every single year, you hear about six, eight, ten, twenty. Mm-hmm. But there's there's thousands of police shootings in this country every single year. Damn. Every year. Crazy. And then. Crazy. Uh, Next headline. So you see the uh, the ad about Snoop Dogg on Instagram where he had posted that he was going to quit smoking. Uh huh. And then it ended up just being like um, a very elaborate, promotion. Pro- yeah, promotion to promote his um smokeless um smokeless uh, uh smokeless oven. They just caused the uproar, caused a, hu- a huge, huge uproar and stuff like that. Well, he said he's not. 
the brother said he wasn't going to smoke anymore, but he also didn't say he wasn't going to smoke any less either. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> he also didn't say it was it was it was it was weed that he wasn't going to stop smoking. He just yeah, exa- exactly. He, so my kids live up in Humboldt, and he did a concert up there when they was in college, and um, they said he collected over five pounds of weed off the stage that people threw up on the stage at him in Humboldt, and my son was there, and he said, "Daddy, from the balcony came a full seven foot plant." A whole seven foot weed plant. Somebody blew on the stage with dirt in the bottom. The whole like they up they just dug it out the ground. Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> and they got it in the theater and threw it on the stage during his concert. Where was this at? <laughs> Humboldt, Humboldt County. Oh okay, yeah, they'll let you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They got they're strict on the strict on the alcohol, but they're very lenient when it comes to the cannabis consumption. Oh. What well, I mean, that's all over with now since they legalized it and all that. Those people going broke. Oh yeah, they going broke. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, but... it's a whole new thing now. That's about to be very like um, industrialized and corporate driven and stuff like that. It's about to be like you're about to see like Pepsi having like cannabis products. Pepsi dropping like you're gonna buy it in Walmart in a minute. Yeah, you can you're... get in Walmart in aisle five in a minute. Hell yeah, right next to the Advil and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a lot when you hear dramatic stuff like that, that gives everybody the shock and awe. Mm-hmm. You know it's going to be a publicity stunt or something going on because they even say bad publicity is good publicity. There's no bad publicity. Yeah. So it's it's it, it, it's going to come out at some point. It's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the jokes that I said is that a lot of these other celebrities should start doing the same thing, like fall in line and just do like the same blueprint that Snoop Dogg did to like promote his uh mm-hmm. his line. So I was like, with Kim Kardashian, she has her new underwear line for men, so she should just go mm-hmm. on Instagram and say she's going to stop getting in the pants of black men. Yeah, true. That makes more sense. But the then she's like, the ah, that's a joke. Only thing with the Kardashians, all of them had more black dick in them than a urinal at the Apollo, nigga. So you we tell already me. know. <laughs> they, they love it like that. Yeah, they go look at that, but oh, that's a joke. She ain't, she ain't giving it up. Yeah. No, nah, she's like, I'm with the black guy right now. Uh-huh. She probably shoot it with him laying next to her. Shoot the whole commercial. Yeah, he's the one directed it and shit. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to Andre 3000? He just dropped a new um, album. Andre 3000, yeah, he just dropped a new album, but it was um, it was it was it was not a rap album. It was stri- he was just strictly playing the flute. I hope that's the publicity stunt. No, that's the real thing. He really dropped. Yeah, he dropped the album because he said he because I don't know. Like if you see, like he's very he's, he doesn't do a lot of interviews or he's not very like you know out in the so- right, right, public right. a lot. But when people do. You know, see him. They're able to get a picture of him. He's always carrying like a flute around. You know, just playing his flute. And so he just dropped the album. Uh, no rapping, no bars, or anything. It was just completely freestyle flute playing, like a, like some Kenny G style type stuff. No, I did not hear that. Yeah, yeah, he just I mean, did. And I'm not, I'm not. I mean, if I happen to run across it, okay. But I'm not going to go out of my way to look for it. Yeah, uh, it's very zen, like very zen, like. No, I thought that was just very interesting. Yeah, very zen. Like, it's something you can meditate to. But I thought that was just interesting because you see that, like, I don't know what it is about, like, with hip-hop and, like, rap music, but they, for some reason, there always seems to be, like, um, like an expiration date on when it's, like, cool to stop rapping and stuff like that. But then you see you got rappers like E-40, Too Short and stuff like that, like, still relevant to the game and still dropping music and stuff like that. And both of them I know very personally growing up in the Bay Area. But um it, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't know if it's the expiration date more of 
So, I mean, you, with, with the P. Diddy and all the stuff that's going on, you know how this industry is. I mean, this industry yeah. this industry is a mess, and it's always been a mess. I mean, even when I was coming up as a kid, they always called, had the casting couch. So you got that job because you slept with the boss. And, you know, all this, this has been going on my whole life. Now it's, I mean, they're trying to put it on mainstream because all these people got a lot of money and stuff. But my thing is, I think those people that, like Andre um, and those cats will, will switch over to, like, a softer either religious side or just a softer side to say, I'm not going to play your game and be in your industry and be that hardcore that you want me to be for the things you want me to do to get there. I'm yeah. going to do slow my roll, cool it down and go another direction because I know if I play your game, I'm not going to end up in a good situation. So I'm going to play my game and you can't be mad at that because it's not going to be tapping into your money at all because I'm not on that screen. Mm hmm. And that's kind of like, I guess, so you say, like, going back to, like, E-40 is able to be, you know, a relevant rapper who's been in the game since, like, what, the 80s and stuff like that um, into the 90s um, because he he pioneered the independent game. So he never really need those, the record labels to to go to to know how to do business and stuff like that, which is like I say, he's able to now take a couple of years off. He's about to drop two new albums. And then but, but right before that, he just dropped a cookbook. You know, so right. the you know the versatility and stuff like that. Like, say, as you get older, um, just in life in general doesn't have nothing to do with rap or whatever. But just as you get older in life in general, like, say, your interest starts to change, the things that you want to put out, like, hey, but you're still that artist deep inside. So, like, here's what I've been working on and stuff that you kind of got to take it or leave. I feel like that flute album is Andre's cookbook. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to be uh, certain taste for fact, it. Another another perfect example, MC Hammer. I um I've been friends with Stanley since. When he first started, matter of fact, even in his movie, he said he tried to borrow $5,000 to cut 500 albums, his first 500 albums. Because I was a dude in the town, had a little bit of change. And I I did his first shows with him. They had all my jewelry on their first concerts at Park Oakland. Him and DJ Redemption and all. I know all those cats when they first, first started. I was on tour with them. MC Hammer, In Vogue, Vanilla Ice. Um, I've been to his house in Fremont. I, I've been all over with MC Hammer when he was coming up. So the thing is, everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's getting it right now, but what's he going to do when he's 50? What's he going to do when he's 60? He can't be doing all this dancing and singing and the same old, you know, 50 million dancers in a band stuff. But guess what? He's 50 and 60, and he's doing his singing and dancing and all this stuff. He still lives in the Bay Area. The brother has got, he became vegan. He doesn't do sugar. He's back down to his high school weight, so he can still do all his dance moves stuff. And he's on tour for big money. I mean, it costs big money even if you book mc hammer locally he's a lot of money still yeah you know what i'm saying but that the part that people don't know about mc hammer he's a geek he's a computer geek engineer this guy has like all the business phone calls when you call in and you want certain um like you want to talk certain extensions and on hold and all that he owns a company and he designed a lot of those programs for his corporations not only that he's releasing pretty soon a search engine to challenge google he is a computer nerd he is a geek behind the scenes so all that is up front but when it does decide to fade out he has all this other stuff going on all this other stuff going on that's like when the elections came up when he um backed the mayor of san francisco instead of mayor of oakland and he told everybody why because he um what's his name the guy who's um lee the one that died the, the the asian guy that died in san francisco the mayor so what happened with him he um went to the rallies with the oakland mayor and she like ignored him and walked past him like three or four times. And he went over there and Mr. Lee knew who he was right away. Mr. MC Hammer gave him a hug and all that. 
He said, she walked past me and he hugged me. That's why I did a song and I promoted his campaign. Even though I'm from Oakland, this person acknowledged me, knew who I was, and hugged me when he seen me. You know, that's, that's you know what I'm saying? So that's, 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 a, that's a huge difference. You know, it's a huge difference. So what are you doing it for? If you're not going to support your local people that grew up here that people follow, it's got to be money in politics. It has nothing to do with anything else. That man is still influential in this, in this community, in our community. Uh, what you never was it? Hear him getting caught up in no trauma, no mess, and stuff like that. No. Yeah. What, so still influential. What was it like? Like, cause there's something, something about like the Bay Area culture and stuff like that, where like, especially when we're talking about like hip hop and rap, or just in general. I feel like, even if we're talking about like with movies and stuff like that, something about like the Bay Area, like there's like there's just something about it where like, like I said, you growing up seeing you know E40 coming up too short. Um, um, MC Hammer stuff like that on the movie side, like a lot of a lot of revolutionary stuff that like changed Hollywood happened in the Bay Area. If we're talking about like we're talking about Star Wars was filmed in the Bay Area. We're talking about mm-hmm. like um, uh, Pixar animation, like animation movies got started Every in the Bay Area. Everything, Every yeah, you know, what I'm saying even now the technology with Apple and all that stuff, the headquarters at Google, all right there, the, the Bay Area and stuff like that. What was it? What was it like just growing up in that and then? Just, just seeing that 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 culture and that 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 energy, because you know it was that that it was it was your generation. I, I have a question. I'm gonna flip this around just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You tell me a place that you think would be a better place than the Bay Area to do any of that. That's what I say. There wouldn't be. There wouldn't be. <laughs> there wouldn't be. Like I've been on movie and sets. And I've been on movie sets where yeah. like where we bring in like crews from like L.A. And it's like we have the same like the people who we have working on the films. They have the same level of professionalism. They know exactly what they're doing compared to the people in L.A. It's just that we, they, like I said, with that Bay Area vibe, that very community-driven vibe and stuff like that. Like it, it's just a to- like we make movies, but we make movies and we have fun. Where if you go down to L.A., you go to Hollywood stuff like that. They make movies, but it's Hollywood. It, it's Hollywood. It's business. It's all it's all just like you know generic brand. It's it's nothing original to See, that's, it. That's, that's- that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, that's that's everything down there is BBL and breast implants. We know mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's, it's kind of up here a little bit. But the whole thing is, Bay Area has no filter. If you want something real, if you want to shoot a real hood or a real neighborhood or a real uh, restaurant or a real street scene or real anything, it's, it's going to be here. Hollywood is Hollywood. 90% of the stuff down there is props and stages and backdrops. Mm-hmm. You know, here, it's, it's, it's the real thing. I mean, if you, you can go... I shot a music video with Love Rants and Andresia, and uh, we went way up in Oakland Hills, and there was two rows of palm trees for, like, four blocks in one of the scenes in the video. And everybody's like, damn, y'all went to Hollywood? You went to L.A.? Nah, nigga, Mm-mm. we did this in the Oakland Hills. You can get anything you want here. Yes. You can get the ocean. You can get the water. You can get, you know, the, the downtowns, the nice restaurants. You can get the hood restaurants. You can the street corners. You can get whatever you want right here in the Bay Area without building sets and going from place, you know, traveling all over the place. You can come right here and do whatever you want. Now, a lot of the film places, they'll go in the middle of the Utah desert where there's nothing, and they'll build a whole city so they can shoot a movie, which we know. Mm-hmm. But they can come to Oakland and turn left, right, or any block they want and get what they want. Yep. And get what they, And then the crew, when the crew's on their lunch breaks, they can eat at a thousand restaurants. They can eat any kind of food they want. From Chinese food to Keith Lorraine, you know what I'm saying? They yeah. eat whatever they want right here. Yeah, man. The food in the Bay Area, man, especially on the movie sets, like, that's how I know, like, if, if I'm on a movie set with somebody from, like, the Bay, like, a, if it's a Bay Area crew production or if it's just a production from some other 
city and stuff mm-hmm. like that that just came up here by the food because like we like the food in the bay area is it, it uh oh, bro, it's top notch and stuff like that you know so like if i'm about to move, said i know there's bad catering i'm like oh yo these people ain't from here they don't understand they don't understand what's right around the corner you know it's exactly. like oh man but you know what Steve? if you go to la i mean you could go to la arizona washington if you know the movie set and you're doing your show and these people that shoot movies they travel you know a lot of them travel your your, your um your your, your grips your videos you know your, your panavision people they travel they mm-hmm. go wherever the money's at right but if you say oh i'm from the bay area they're gonna say man everett jones what see they they know if they if they you obey your person they're gonna tell you some food spots in the in the Bay Area before they're going to tell you anything else. They're going to tell you food spots before anything else. Only thing more than food spots in the Bay Area on every corner is um liquor stores. Other than that, it's yeah. liquor stores and, and food shops. I'm just, yeah. yeah. But if you're working with the L.A. crew, man, that L.A. liquor store, that, that liquor store comes in handy. If you're working with like an L.A. crew, you're like, man, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to need me a shot of Hennessy before this shoot. I know it's going to be a lot of assholes on set. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we got to get that out here and, um, in Sacramento, we got a cool f- film community out here in Sacramento. But yeah, start getting the the, the the business acumen right and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, think that. about it. You could you, you you could go downtown Oakland if you want to shoot hood. You can go to East Oakland, but then you can go to Piedmont. You know, you can go up in the Oakland Hills, and you could. It's, it's like going to Hollywood. It's a whole different. Is yeah. It, it, but you're in the same city, and then you can go right down to the waterfront. Go to Alameda Beach. You can go right to the Bay Bridge. You got, I mean, you got everything. Everything is right here. That's why they come here. And the less they have to prepare, the less they have to build and create, the cheaper it is going to be for them to, to make their um, films and videos and stuff, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. out here in California because they the tax breaks for making movie is is, is is not good. It does not it does not help the person putting money out there for it. They'd be like, man, we better, if we're going to make this, we better make some money off this. If I'm putting something exactly. up. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, you, when that, they got a lot of these companies like Pixar and stuff, which used to be it was somebody else before Pixar. But these these companies, they got in on the ground floor. Even mm-hmm. Apple and them, the stuff they're building, there wasn't nothing there. You know what I'm saying? It's, listen, we're gonna bring twenty thousand employees, which is tax money for you and payroll money and all. We're gonna bring all this to your area. So, you know, you want us here, you don't want us here. You know what I'm saying? So, so they they a lot of these people got in on the ground floor and it's just been growing and building and building and building in the Bay Area is is dope. Okay, if I became a billionaire, I still have me a spot in the Bay. I'm not gonna lie to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd have a spot in the Bay. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I definitely would say like coming up, like acting, like starting off, like a parent, like starting off in Sacramento, um, and then like I said being out of the Bay Area, it was like like there's you know respect up here and stuff like that. You know, we got a name out here in Sacramento, but like it was being out of the Bay Area. That helped me, you know, establish that name when people see me doing work and stuff like that. Like I'm doing like I'm doing I'm doing real projects, you know what I'm saying? I'm out here working in these right. movies. I'm over here, got my like a member of the Screen Actors Guild. That's nothing, you know. Right, Zach, yep. Yeah, so that's you know, that's nothing to shine on and stuff like that. But like I say, a lot like shit, like ninety percent of it just comes from being out of the Bay Area. You know, even down to like my mentor, my mentor, he passed away about a couple of years ago, but uh Lionel Gardner he was his um his grandfather was actually um uh man i just totally totally drew a blank i'm a, i'm remembering it in a second though stuff like that but his grandfather was a boxer out here and stuff like that um but um yeah man i met him on a set one day and he was just all like i see you working i see you got a lot of potential and stuff like that anytime you got a you book a gig out here you need somewhere to stay you got a place to crash and stuff like that and yeah like i said just put me up on game and told me how to you know make money and how to move in this game 
and just really put me on. Like I said, just just something about the Bay Area that it is, you know. A million percent. What's what's um the other thing good about? I mean, it's it's just life in general for me is like you 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 have to make what you what you want to make out of life. You know what I'm saying? You can't you can't make excuses. You can make excuses. And, and you're going to be stuck making excuses till you die. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You have, you can, I mean, we all grew up poor. We all had opportunities. So it's what you make of your opportunity. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I, I learned that. I, I, I'm the first one in generations to own a house, you know, and and my kids own, own all own houses and stuff like that. It's like you, you, you deal with the hand that you're dealt. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to, but you don't have to become a victim of your environment. You know what I'm saying? I grew up in 65th Projects when Felix Mitchell and all that stuff was going. I grew up in that stuff. But guess what? I didn't become a victim of my environment. I always strive for better for myself and my family because that's what I wanted. If you don't want any better than that, don't want any more than that, then you won't. It's a self-fulfilled prophecy. If you wake up every day and say, oh, it's going to be a terrible day. I ain't going to do shit. That's what's going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that in my mind. That's exactly what's going to happen to you. But if you get up in the morning and you say, man, I want to do this, I got to get this accomplished, I'm working on this, and you go out every day with that kind of attitude, nine times out of ten, it's going to fall your way. It's going to fall your way. Discipline. It's going to fall your way. Discipline. Uh-huh. You gotta, you gotta, as I, I was going to say, that discipline, you got to have that um, the, the that discipline in you to to, 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 to do it, you know. Uh, and the hustle muscle. Nobody can teach you that hustle muscle. You either yeah. have that hustle muscle or you don't have it. Nobody can teach you that. It's like teaching somebody to be seven foot. Either you're seven foot or you ain't seven foot. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody can teach you to have that drive and that hustle muscle. They just and, and a lot of people get caught up in the system. When I say the system, I mean not just, you know, welfare and aid and all that kind of stuff. It's just they get caught in that punching in, punching out little routine and making they whatever per hour and they they get stuck in that routine. They don't really try to do any more than that, you know. I mean, that whole system is set up, you know, it doesn't matter what race you are. It's not set up for you to win or, or, or get ahead, you know what I'm saying? They teach you in school how to be an employee. They don't teach you in school how to how to run a business or how to get your money. They teach you how to be an employee. Yeah, they barely so teach you how to be that adult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think, think about this, say you got a lady... Say she's 30 now and got two kids. She made some mistakes and she was younger. She got two kids. She get a job making $20 an hour. Everybody's like, okay, minimum wage is 16. She's making 20. That's $3,200 a month. What's rent going to be for a two-bedroom apartment in Oakland or anywhere? Right? Yeah. Now, hold on. Now, she, now, exactly. Now she got daycare for two kids. What's that going to cost? What's groceries going to cost? So that little $3,200 a month before taxes ain't no money. Not only is it no money, she can go get on welfare. If she gets on welfare, what's going to happen? They're going to give her food stamps to buy her food. She's going to get Section 8 to pay most of her rent. And then she ain't going to pay for daycare because they asked to send it home. So they're setting you up to fail from the beginning. They're setting you up, they're setting you up to fail from the very beginning. You know what I'm saying? It's that's, People, you think there's a lot of people that would like to do more, but it's not financially smart for them to do more. Mm. They just can't. It's not financially smart for them to do more. And people think $20, $25 an hour is a good job. It used to be, but it's not. That's $3,500 a month. That ain't even no money to do nothing. If you got kids and medical bills, what about medical bills? That's barely half your rent. What they going to get? Yeah, right. Medical bills, on welfare, what they going to get? They going to get Medicaid, Medicaid. They're going to get something. So all that is set up for their people to fail. I mean, it's just set up for people to fail. Mm Mm-hmm. 
that out for people with that one. Yeah. Let's see what else do. Yep, yep. Okay, cool. And then uh let's see here. Uh so I don't know if you know this know this lady. She's a rapper. I just want to hear your opinion. Her name is she's a rapper. Her name is uh Ruby Rose. Uh not only is she a rapper, but she uh she's a you know, she's a younger rapper. Uh but she uh she's a rapper, but she also happens to have a OnlyFans. And she just met her biggest donator um to her oh, OnlyFans. That, yeah, I you see that? that and he had donated I've sixty sixty yeah. sixty two thousand dollars to her uh, uh, how, was it? Would you ever drop sixty-two thousand on a girl that you know you're never gonna smash? Or would you drop anything on a chick that you know you're never gonna smash, or she would never let you smash? It's 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 not it. I mean, me personally, it's not even the smash part. I mean, I mean, or you never met. You never even think you didn't even know if you would ever beat her. Well, here's here's the, the. I have daughters and granddaughters and stuff like that. Why does why does she think that putting her, herself in that position is okay? Mm. That's the problem. Just putting herself in that position, sixty-two thousand or a hundred thousand. Why does does she think that that's okay? You know what I'm saying? That's that's not okay. Even the, even the little girl that did catch me outside, you heard what she did? Oh, the little girl just oh man, she once she turned eighteen because she was fourteen, fifteen when she started. Once she turned eighteen, she opened the OnlyFans and made fifty-two million dollars. And her OnlyFans in one year. Not only that, her OnlyFans page is $150 a month, not God 10, damn. 12, or 15. 150 a month. She made $52 million. And after she made the first 25, she had to go to rehab in Florida for um, drug abuse and all this all kind of stuff. So, <laughs> what are we doing? I mean, come on, man. What 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 are we doing? You got th- you got $30 million in the bank, and you're in a rehab in Florida. And these people that's paying $150 a month, guess who they are? The people that's been following you since they were 14, and as soon as you was old enough to show your shit, they were sitting there drooling on the screen looking at it because they've been waiting for you for four years so they could see it. And then when you do it, they paid $150 a month, you made all this money. Why do you think that is okay? Yeah, that predator mentality and then that whole, yeah. Yeah, that's see, that's where it gets that's where it gets tricky. That's where it does get tricky and stuff like that. Because I've seen some people who do have a only like, cause like like for instance, like when um I was trying to produce this uh, short film, um in 2020, 2021, one of the marketing things that I that I put out there was for us to make an OnlyFans account for our um for our TV show. It wasn't gonna we wasn't gonna put out no sexual content or anything like that, but just like behind the scenes photos and stuff like something that's only for our fans. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's where it kind of gets tricky because, like, when people hear like only fans and stuff like, they automatically think that you're taking your clothes off. But I'm like, but I mean, that's only for women or men. If your fans are, if you're, if that's what you do for entertainment, is take your clothes off, then that's what, then that's what you're gonna, you go, you're gonna get and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, that's that's still our culture buying into that whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know, Linnell. Comics. She yeah, has yeah, yeah. OnlyFans page. Mm-hmm. She has an OnlyFans. She made sixty thousand dollars or some crazy amount. I would make. I would. She make a, a grip. Yeah. She making a grip doing it. So, I mean, that's something like that. You know, that's a fun thing. You know what I'm saying? That's a fun thing. She ain't. But here's the, here's the other part. Like I said, that girl that made fifty two million dollars stuff. Okay, let me ask you a question. You do that, you get twenty million, ten million. Why don't you stop? Why don't you shut it down? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just let it go? Okay. This was a, a section of my life. That I went through to get ahead. Now I'm ahead. I'm over it. I need. I, I'm done with it. You know what I'm saying? I want to yeah. be a regular person. But you know, you get caught up 
and you think that's the culture and you got people pushing you that 20 million ain't enough 25 yeah. ain't enough and 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 twenty five hundred dollars was cool the year before last you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. that's just that's just the, it's our culture how because with the attention that you get from it and all that and you know and just yeah, the, the attention, I guess there's some type of fame, but then you also understand that, like, uh, which I think that they don't understand is that it lives with you forever, you know? Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's it's with you forever. So even if you do put, like, a like you may have, like, a three-year plan on it or five-year plan or whatever, you know, your timeline is, is for, you know, doing this type of stuff, um, it's out there forever. You know, it's out there forever. You know, now, that's... I mean, look at that digging stuff up on Justin Bieber when he was 10 and 12 talking about nigga this and nigga that and all that. Mm-hmm. They're bringing stuff up on him now from when he was a little kid, you know, before he made it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's going to live with him forever. It doesn't matter if he was serious, joking or not. They're not even going to give him a chance to say if he's changed or respecting the, uh, the game and the people more now. They're, they're not even going to give him a chance for that. They're going to say this is how he is and that's how he is for the rest of his life. You know, that's that's how, that's how that goes. I mean, it's just, I just, I don't understand how people think it's okay. Like all these smashing grabs and stuff. <clears throat> I watch that stuff and it happens in, you know, our, our community a lot. But my thing is, I have, I have five children. I can't even imagine my kids even doing some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't care peer pressure. I don't care being around their friends. I don't care about nothing. My kids would be like, if my daddy ever found out or seen me doing this thing, my daddy would destroy anything I had to do with life ever again. They have no fear of the consequences from doing that stuff. I can't picture my kids ever doing nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? Coming up and they laugh at stuff like that. Now like, hell no, my daddy and my mama and blah, blah. Nah, they wouldn't do what's 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 in what's in these kids' head and mentality and what's their what's their home? What are they, where are they coming from to make them think that stuff like that is okay? It's okay to say no and walk away. What's going to happen? They're going to tease you and mess with you because you didn't go steal some stuff from Target or Walgreens. Come on, man. Come on, man. So that's cool. That's why. That's why. That's why I'm glad I had you on this. Uh, this this episode. You bring it. Bring it morals to the to to this show and stuff like that. Let the people know. But what's like they they showed these seven guys rob a jewelry store. They came in with hammers and they took all this. So they said they stole two hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry or one hundred seventy thousand dollars. Okay, seven people. Jewelry is a five to seven hundred percent markup. So when they get all that stuff home, what they gonna do? They gonna keep some pieces, give some pieces to their girlfriend and their mama, and a couple pieces they gonna get got left. They gonna sell. They gonna get a couple hundred dollars a piece. <laughs> I just I don't see how that could possibly be worth it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's mm. not worth it. You know, then if you get caught, what's gonna happen? You catching a case, a big case behind that. Yeah. But you gonna have a nice, you don't have a nice pinky ring on. Yeah, yeah, you go look fly doing it though. It's like at least, at least I went fly going out though. At least I was fly. Yeah, that's. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think. Even my, even my dad, he an old school player from Boston and New York, and he, you know, he owned taxi cabs and all that. He been in the streets his whole life, you know, coming up. And he was like, he said, son, let me just tell you something. He said, you don't rob a bank in the front door with a gun. He said, you go in the employee's door with a pen. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's, and I was probably, that was probably 1975, 74, and I was 14 years old. You know what I'm saying? So you got, even back then, he was his, he was ahead of the game as far as his thinking went. You know what I'm saying? As far as making money. But these, these kids, just, they don't care. They don't have respect for people. They don't have respect for their teachers. They don't have respect for human value. They don't have respect for human life. They don't have respect for nothing. Mm-hmm. The stuff they do nowadays, I would be so petrified. 
if my mom or dad see me or caught me doing some stuff that they's on the doing today, I would I was scared to death. I'm not gonna lie. I don't care if she did something or didn't do something. I was so scared that she would might do something. Yeah. That I wouldn't do nothing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Just you you thought about the consequences just in case, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was these people have they don't have no fear. And these mm -hmm. people fighting their parents and stuff now. I just understand it yeah it. yeah that's one of the things i mean well i don't have any children and stuff like that but i see it and i'd be wondering like hey hey it, i got a bunch i can write you some diagrams if you need some help you i can be, get you heading in the right direction yeah i'm cool I right now you, after I everything you to get boys girls everything i can write I you up. i'll take i'll take those notes and stuff like that i'll save them for later <laughs> and stuff but right now i'm cool man we <laughs> with all this no because like i see but i see how people act it and like just just the negativity that i see that's put out there and stuff like that I'd be wondering, like, man, like, is it really, is it really as bad as that people say? Is like, this, like everybody's, or is it just a, such a small percentage of it? But it just gets so much of the attention because right now we live in a a society that feeds off of the negativity and feeds off of, um, you know, the clout, the clout chasing and stuff like that. It's it's both, it's both. I think it's both. I mean, because. You know, people, if a store gets robbed in the neighborhood and then a week later, a bunch of guys outside shooting dice telling everybody they're the ones that robbed the store. Mm -hmm. Really? That's you all that did that? Oh, yeah, man. I heard y'all got 20000 like, You know what I'm saying? It's just, I just, I don't, I don't think like that, man. I don't think like that. I'd be so, I mean, I'm not saying that if, if, if you don't even have to be no gangster, no hell of a nigga. If somebody do something to your wife, your kids, your family, your mama. It's, the switch is gonna turn on. There's no doubt about that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're gonna get to that. You're gonna get ugly. It yeah. don't matter if you're not that type of person or not, right? But to do that for no apparent reason, and these people that own these corner stores and all the stuff that they're robbing and doing stuff, these people work hard for these stores and they're their stores and every loss is a loss to them. You know what I'm saying? And they're going in there just taking stuff and doing stuff. You can, big corporation ain't behind all these places. A lot of these places are mom and pop stores. These people, places that's getting burglarized, these restaurants and all this kind of stuff, they don't reopen because they can't afford to rebuild from all the stuff, the damage you did and the, and the stuff that you've taken. You know oh, what yeah, I'm yeah. And, and, they, and they're employing local people. You might have a drunk that's been walking up and down the street for 20 years, but at 8 o'clock he shows up at the restaurant and takes the garbage out of my floors and they give him a plate of food. Now you're taking that away from that person. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot, it's a, it's a domino effect. There's a lot of stuff that can happen from just things you call small, oh, yeah, we hit that store, we got a cash register, we did it. No, but this, there's no get back for some of those people. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You destroyed, you destroyed. There's wife. a huge you chain of effect. Thing. Yeah, it's a chain of effect that you don't really understand that you just like, yeah, just cut that chain and now it's. it's... How many people is that restaurant taking care of? How many people is that store taking care of? Yeah. You know how many how many people is that business taking care of? Yeah, how many people is there that that was their first date or how that's where they you know somebody proposed to that or you know oh I spent my birthday like you know not only that but just the the, the memories that it's a business you know what I'm saying but he's like what are y'all doing? Mm -hmm. There's yeah there's so much that goes into it. like once people get outside of the you know get outside the their head and understand that the world that they're like you know there's other problems that are bigger than what's going on with them and stuff like that uh, you understand just those like you say just those those simple those and it's the vice versa, you know. Say like the good things that you do, you don't know. You may not understand the chain effect that happens when you do something, something positive with somebody that will, you know, lead to the next. Like, like say if you talk about like for the restaurant or you know restaurant or anything like that. Like you leave a big tip for a waitress, you know. what I'm saying she take that now. 
now it's just a whole chain of effect of everybody's oh this person is like a big a big tip oh now their waitress like the other waitress like oh well man you know maybe i'll work a little bit be a little bit more cheerful when i do it now it's just i feel like it's just a domino effect also like the vice versa like when you do when you do good um you you get good you put you do good it's just a chain effect of more good that just follows i was I watched, I watched the short i watched a short film it was it was quite a while ago um this dude's walking home he's a teenager coming from high school and he's he's walking you know walking home it's probably three or four blocks and he sees his friends with a couple of other partners and they was like hey man come hang out we're gonna go get something to eat blah 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 so i said oh hey fuck it so he goes and he goes and has lunch with them and they chilling and blah 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 and they say oh y'all get this money y'all work so, oh man we we snatched this lady's purse a few blocks ago, man. And, you know, she had $90 and blah, blah, He was like, what? And they sitting there chopping up and eating and went to the arcade and did all that stuff. And homeboy gets to the house and his mom's laying in the front yard with a busted skull laying on the sidewalk because it was her purse that they snatched. Oh, shit. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Like you said, he didn't know some of the dudes that was with the cats, but they just said they got the money by snatching the purse. And they all partied on it and didn't chill. And then he got a call. He either got hauled or walked home and found her getting put in the ambulance. And she ended up dying. It was a short film because that was the person whose purse got snatched. And he's partying on his mama money. And <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Oh, man. So you don't know the residual effects of stuff. You just really don't know. No, I was going to, I was about to say because because even like when you like say just associated with that like you 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 open yourself up to bringing that type of energy to you. Exactly. You know, even if you're the person like you say, man, I may I may not have been the person that stole the money, but hey, I took some of that money. I'm the I I took some of it. I didn't commit the crime, but I benefited from the crime. You know, once you invite that energy into your life, man, you we won't, let's let's not even call it benefited from the crime. Yeah. It's not really a benefit. No, not you know at all. Saying at the end of the yeah. day, it's not. But I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I know you you reap the reward from the crime. Reap the reward, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, reap the reward from the crime. But then when you got there and seen that part of it, you was like, you ready to go kill them cats? You yeah. know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you're like, I mean, I just had a burger and fries. You know, I mean, it's just like it was, it was, it was strong. Yeah. <laughs> it was strong. It made me think. You know, it it, it made me think. And even the cats that, that, that pop up with money and stuff in, in the hood, they come up with money and all kind of stuff. And you never think how they get it or where they get it. Or you don't even care. You just want to hang. You want to be around them because they got it and they spend it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But then you don't know four or five years, you know, one of them goes to jail and they tell on everybody else because they always do. And they tell you the whole backstories on four pages in the newspaper, the chain of command and what they did during these five years to make all this happen. And how many people lost their lives, lost their livelihood? You know, all the stuff during that process that you never even think about. People think about what's right in front of them and they don't think any about any residual consequences at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lack of, um, especially this generation, I feel like there's definitely a lack of um, accountability, uh, you know, about what could happen with their actions, both positive and negative. You know, some person has, like, I guess, looks on both sides of the coin and stuff like that, just from the mm-hmm. aspect of like, if we're talking about like you know people clout chasing for fame and stuff like that you know doing stupid stupid silly things that could get them in trouble just for a little i mean i guess you know the end goal is to be famous and stuff like that you know it's like damn why don't you just take acting classes <laughs> you know like all the energy that you're putting into like just go just go make a movie yeah i mean you have a phone you have somebody recorded you doing these stupid shit just go make a movie put it into some film festivals and see what happens you see these young these young not just white cat but a lot of young white cats 
walking up to people and giving them ten thousand dollars on the street. Mm-hmm. And I want you know, can I get five dollars? Oh yeah, here you go. I mean, just because you was nice to me, here's ten thousand. Like, where did they get this money from? Then you open up their page, they got two million followers on TikTok and three million followers on, on Instagram, and they got they get paid for all of that kind of stuff. And these kids, young kids with Lamborghinis and and big houses and all that, because they were smart enough to take the um, the skills that they had and turn it into making money, instead of taking the skill of being able to run fast and snatch somebody's purse. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Million percent. Yeah. Million percent. Mm-hmm. Do you do any skits? Are you big on the like social media, like doing skits and stuff like that? I I do I do some, but I I don't. I mean, I write a lot. I have a lot of skits that I've written. I actually have short stories that I've written mm-hmm. that I haven't done nothing with yet. I I sold a car to a brother yesterday, who um he's a like music promoter. He's been he's been around a long time. He's from Philadelphia. He moved out here now. I helped him get a car. He has a podcast. He has a TV station on Ru, uh, Ru, 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 whatever this was called. Roku. Ru, Ru, Roku. He has a, a Roku station where he has sponsors and all. He says, "Sass, looking at your page and talking to you, I'm, I'm going to put you on my TV, and every, and you get paid with all my sponsors and all that." It's, 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 he called. I forget what he called it, but he has this. He has this shit set up, and he's like, "I'm, I'm putting you on. You can be on my podcast, but I'm going to do a show with you. Get sponsors, get money, because your stories that you have and stuff you've been through." When I told him, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 63 years old. So I was in Boston, Massachusetts with the riots of 68 and stuff. And I wasn't, you got to realize when the riots of 68, I was eight and nine years old. I wasn't one and two. I, I knew what was going on. I seen what was going on. I was in the forced busing and the segregation where I had to get bussed out to the white high schools to go to school. And then afterwards, we couldn't play sports or anything. We had to get on the buses and get police escorted out. Because they were throwing rocks and bottles out of buses, and we couldn't play no sports or nothing. So this is stuff that I have lived. This is the stuff I read in the book. This is stuff that I've actually experienced myself. Where my one of my um, my my, um, my mother had a, her her dude was white, and she used to have to call him. He's a truck driver, and say, "Don't come home, don't come home right now." They got the you know the, the riot in the street supply. I remember her having the phone calls with him, and him having to go out to the suburbs and rent a hotel room and stuff like that. This is stuff that I live. This is the stuff that I heard about. This is stuff that I've seen. Now, when you say rights, are you, these rights like like was involved like with the civil rights movement or? Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. nineteen sixty eight. The riots of sixty eight. Oh yeah, the water the water hoses. You can look in the history books. Turning the water hoses on the black people and the dogs and all that kind of stuff. There was blood in front of my whole street from the riots and, and the cops busting people in the head and all that in front of my house. Mm. I was a lot. Like I said, I was eight and nine years old. I, I remember vividly all this stuff. It's crazy because my mama used to tell me, I tell her stories and stuff, and she would just look at me. She said, you know you were two years old when that happened or three years old when that happened? I would tell her vivid stories like about stuff that I know happened in my life, and she said I was only two and three when it happened. It's crazy because whenever we tell people like situations like that, like stories of just like racism and, you know, just growing up and stuff like that, like, like, like you know, when I was in high school, like I would tell my parents, man, this is happening, this is happening. But like, you know, those women like, no, no, racism, that was such a long time ago. But then we, but then we hear, you know, stories stuff like that. Like it really wasn't. It's really not. You know, saying even if you want to go back to the slavery and stuff like that, that's only like great great grandparents. You know, some people's. Let me put into perspective for you in, in two words: Rosa Parks. Mm. Everybody knows the story about Rosa Parks. Everybody thinks it's two hundred years ago. She just died within the last fifteen years, twenty years ago. She hasn't been gone that long. Yeah. But everybody when you hear the story, they act like it was. 200 years ago it wasn't that long ago 
Mm-mm. I think because so they, they had separate drinking separate drinking fountains for black and white and all that stuff. This stuff wasn't that long ago. When they say it's in the forties and the fifties, we're only in two thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, you look at somebody. That's just somebody's grandparents. <laughs> you know exactly. And there's some now. I mean, I talk to people and their grandparents in their nineties and stuff like that. Oh, we can't go by that. Yeah, grandpa's. You know, yeah, he's an old duster and blah 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 blah. Still to this day. If they're in their nineties and stuff like that, they could really. Yeah, yeah, you know, he could have. Yeah, like yeah, it. yeah, yeah. He could have hugged a couple of black people back in his days, or set a couple of black people on fire. You know, fed a couple of black of babies to some crocodiles or some but, shit. But but you you know what's crazy with racism? With racism to me is if a person sees a brown person, black, white, Puerto Rican, whatever, whatever, Middle Eastern, and they don't like black or brown people, as soon as they see us. They hate us. It's instantaneous. There ain't nothing. They mm-hmm. hate us automatically. But us as brown people, if we see a white person, we have to figure out are they cool ones or not. Is this one cool? They're gonna be, you know, they like black people. They don't yeah. like people. Yeah, black yeah. people. We gotta make sure they're a cool one first. See, we have to do that. But the ones that don't like us, they they're not gonna. They don't have to worry about. It. We we have to like we like we have to associate with you know say exactly you know uh, yeah exactly. But I mean, exactly. yeah. But you know, fortunately, fortunately for us, they're about to be, you know, I guess, with all the um, all these other, uh, I don't say races, but all these other ethnicities coming into the country and stuff like that. Eventually, they will become, you know, the minority, and then they just be like, "Fuck, we fucked up." <laughs> well, the, the the thing is, I mean, if you look a lot of these racial protests, um, it's, there's a lot of not white people protesting against white people mm. and a lot of white people protesting against white people. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I have a, I have a bunch of um, Muslim brothers and, you know, a bunch of um, Middle Eastern friends and stuff, especially in my industry that like KJ, you know, we're not, we're not down with these terrorists and all the stuff that's going on. He said, I'm gonna give you a perfect example. It's like the Ku Klux Klan. They're Americans. But because you're American, this is a certain group of people that's American that you ain't fucking with. Well, that's yeah. a certain group of people that's, you know, Middle Eastern and Muslim that we don't we don't associate or fuck with. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's the same thing. But everybody, as soon as they see us, automatic. Yeah. You know, automatic. Mm-hmm. Automatic. I heard this comic say, it was like, they had this, like, bunch of comics sitting around and just talking and chopping it up. And it was right after 9-11. He said he got into a cab in New York. And um, he looked and he looked and the guy had his, you know, had a head wrap on and you know they have the picture of you up with your ID and stuff on the cab and he's looking at it and he's looking at the driver and the driver's making eye contact and he keeps seeing the <laughs> the comic looking at him and he looks at him and he says, "Hey, hey, I didn't blow up the World Trade Center. I didn't blow up the World Trade Center. Stop looking at me like that." <clears throat> and the comic said, "Bro, I'm not, I'm not saying you did, you know." I, I, I was just looking at you, looking at your ID. He said, everybody get in my cab think I had something to do with that. He said, no, but since you brought it up, I mean, I didn't think it was the Mexicans or the Puerto Ricans, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I started cracking up. He said, well, I, didn't, I, I wasn't even thinking like that, but since you're going to jump down my throat, I didn't think it was the Hispanics that did the shit. <laughs> that was funny. But it's nothing by association because a lot of the people that's rapping stuff like that are Sikhs. And Sikhs are like the most peaceful people on the whole planet. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but automatically, yeah. But automatically when you see them and they got the rap and all that, oh, yeah, they're Muslim. They're, mm-hmm. they're terrorists. I mean, come on. That's like, see, uh, you're a nigga. 
yeah, you want to drink and sing and dance and have babies. That's all you want to do. You know what I'm saying? They just they don't understand. They don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, see, because yeah, like I'm from, uh, like I'm from Yuba City. Like, if there's one thing we know out there, Yuba City, it's um, it's racist, racist, racist assholes, and then Sikh people and stuff like that. Like, say, two totally different people, man. Like you, like Sikh people, some of the most peaceful, friendly people I see. As all you like, you don't fuck with them, they won't fuck with you. You know exactly. Why? But if you fuck with that one phone call, it'd be seven hundred. That whole family be pulling up on you, bro. That whole family be like, and they pull up in one in one Toyota Prius, and twelve people get out that Ooh. motherfucker, boy. I'll be like, God damn. Hey, what? Why do have the charging cord still hanging out? Because they took off trying to get you. Hell oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, it's. I mean, I have a I have a brother and a sister that have white fathers. My two sons, my two sons. Um, wives are white, and I have white. I have mixed um, grandchildren. I mean, all that, all that, all that stuff doesn't matter to me. I mean, that that I don't, I don't, I don't see. I see my grandkids. I see my kids' wives. I see. I don't see anything else but that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If they if they're happy and it makes them happy, why does anybody else care? But I mean, you got you got to think about it. I am old, so some of the some of the references I give you might be a little bit before your time. But I'm gonna give you an example. Um, um, JFK, one of the most beloved presidents to this day. I mean, people don't say bad things about JFK. JFK was assassinated because he said black people and white people should be together. Everybody should be together. That's what he got assassinated for. Martin Luther King. Um, everybody, black people, white people, everybody should be together. He got assassinated for saying that. You could be anti-black or anti-white, but you talk about bringing the races together. It was a problem in the 60s all the time. Um, Governor George Wallace was a big racist governor forever all he talked about was how terrible black people were black people this black people that so what happened to him he went and met some black leaders some some lawyers and doctors and community leaders and and and, and pastors and after his meeting with them for a couple weeks he's like you know something they're not what we think black people aren't bad they tried to kill him and they end up paralyzing him and put him in a wheelchair they tried to shoot him um malcolm x was assassinated um, partially because when he went, he went Haji, he went to um, Mecca mm-hmm. and prayed and went to Mecca. He went not the nation of Islam. He went Mecca Muslim, which is, you know, it's two separate things. So he went over there and went Haji. And when he came back, he was telling everybody, hey, man, you keep telling me that Muslims are black and Muslims are brown. He said, I was I was sleeping in dirt on the ground with blonde haired, blue eyed Muslims and Asian Muslims. And like, you can't say that. He said, it's true. That's what happened. And that's, they didn't want him spreading that word. So all these people, you, they don't mind, they don't mind you being one way or the other. But when you talk about bringing people together, they, they ain't nobody, they ain't down for that. Mm-hmm. They ain't down for that. Yeah. You ain't down for that. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I don't, I don't care if you treat me right. I'm going to treat you right. But even, even I'd rather, I'd rather notice you're don't like black people. I'd rather notice you're racist. Then not know. Yeah, just put it out there. I'd like to know that. Yeah, that don't don't hide it. Don't 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 try to have me be your friend just for your own benefit to say that. Oh, I have a they black call friend. Call me a nigga as soon as I'm behind, not behind your back. You call me a nigga. Yeah, it's like man. I don't, I don't mind. I won't. I won't invite you out for drinks. I'll work with you. I'll do whatever I have to do. But let me. Yeah. I, if I know that, it's not going to bother me. You're entitled to your opinion. Yeah. At least now I know <laughs> the boundaries that I could set with you and stuff like that. You're strictly somebody that I. I I'm only going to see you when I have to see you. If I have a choice, like I'm not going. Like I said, I got to work with you, but I'm not going to invite you to the employee barbecue. Perfect example. My 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 grandmother, my mother's mother, 
She's very fair-skinned, very, very. We're from, she's from Nevis and Kitts, the West Indies, which are Creole. So she's very, very light-skinned. And she used to clean houses in the suburbs when I was a kid. So I was five or six years old. My mom worked. So I would go with her sometime. And I like sit and watch TV while she cleaned these white folks' houses, you know, these, these, these in the suburbs. So she was cleaning these one people's house for nine or 10 years. They'd come in the house, say hi to me and, you know, give me a quarter or give me snacks and all that. I've been, I've been, you know, I've, I've probably been there two or three times and they treated me, you know, cool, all that kind of stuff. And she'd been cleaning the house for years. She said one day she came home and there's some dirty boosters on the porch. So she brushed them off and went in the house and put them in the closet. And when she opened the closet, there was two KKK outfits. His was all black and hers was white, which means he was the grand dragon. He was the leader and his wife was in there and they've been treating her like this for eight or nine years and never had. And even I, they used to bring me snacks and stuff when I would sit there at their kitchen table as she cleaned her house. And you would never know, never know till the lights go out and then the crosses come up. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. See, I, yeah, see, cause I grew up in the like I grew up in the military, like I was a military brat or whatever. So I fortunately okay. I was the type of person, like I guess it's kind of like the barrier too, like where it's just being on a military base. It's just a whole melting pot of you know everybody and stuff like that. Like, so I was, yeah. But then like it's like it's like that was like that was the weird like culture shock to me too, cause like I said I grew up in a military base where like my friends would be white, Mexican, Asian, whatever it may be and stuff like that. But then like I would go to I went to school in this place called Wheatland, you know. And, like, you go out there and, like, say it's totally, like, racist, like, you know, redneck type of vibe, you know, you might see some swastikas, you might see some, uh, uh, you know, confederate flags and stuff like that. And, it, like you say, you just kind of, like, damn, this is what the world's like. But then when you, it's just, it's such a, it's only, like, a, a isolated population, a community of people to where, like, I'm like, okay, I know only, like, once, like, I got to go to school with these people. But once school mm-hmm. is over with, I really don't see myself, like, I don't see myself being at the 10-year reunion. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. right, right. Of course. But, I mean, you, you going into it knowing that, that's a conscious decision that you make if you mm. want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you want to do it or not. But if you don't know and they, you have no idea and you show up there and then you feel the vibe, it's like it's so th- the air's so thick you can cut it with a knife, you know? That's, that's ooh. Yeah. Every, cool. every one of them want to stab you in your back as soon as you turn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Every one of them. Man, you know? I just, matter of fact, I just, because I was working on a movie set, I was working on a movie yesterday. Um, called uh-huh. movie called Wallbanger. We was filming filming it out in uh, Sausalito, but we had a whole bunch of whole bunch of downtime. You know, say like waiting for this setup. They was like, you guys got like two hours or whatever, um, uh-huh. to chill. So there just happened to be a bar that was like three minutes down the road or whatever. Uh, so it was it was me, an Asian dude, and then two white women, and we just happened to walk to this bar. Man, I'm trying to tell you, we lost, you like cut the tension with the knife, man. Like the music stopped playing, and the lady she was giving us. Every every excuse she could not to serve us a drink and stuff like that. She was just like, we was like, oh, this this ain't it right here. This ain't it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could tell. And then you walk in the room and they, they stop talking and yeah, yeah, you could tell. You could tell. Yeah, I'd say you know it's gonna be you know it's gonna be bad vibes when you start the conversation with the sound effect. You just like, yeah. Hey man, listen, we we want to serve you, man, but you know, ah. We got rules. Ah. But the whole thing is they me being me, usually when I get it going in situations like that or happen to end up in situations like that, they will never say nothing to me because they don't know how I'm gonna act or react. Mm. And I'm a big cat and they're like, Let's just leave this nigga alone for now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we'll we'll keep our feelings to ourselves, you know what I'm saying? Which is 
you cool. See, I'm like, I'm a, I'm an approachable guy. I got the glasses and everything. That I have a slim frame. They look, they, they look like me. Nah, we go. We look, let's let's test them. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But you know, I mean, I I I, I don't. I'm I'm on them cast. I don't start no show with nobody. I'm not gonna take no mess, but I don't start no show with nobody. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. people people could be having they could be having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And you don't wanna you don't wanna and that and a lot of people don't know how a, to yeah, a lot of people don't know how to get their, you know, their aggressions off properly. They don't know how to you know, so a lot of people will, you know, carry ball that inside them and it'll just be like say the wrong thing. You may you just like the wrong place, the wrong time. You just happen to say the wrong thing, and now all this pent up aggression that dude had for the past week, month, or that whole entire day. Now it's just I don't. Know, he's like, damn man, I, my bad. Right, 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 right. And then you have people that'll come at you, you know, wrong, and it ain't even you they mad at. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It could be it could be totally something else. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But you be, you become all of a sudden you become the bad guy, and you're mm-hmm. like, and then you don't want to react wrong because. Yeah, because now you're catching Johnny's you know, ass whooping. Anger's not even yours. Yeah, you know, it's not really towards you. It's he's angry towards something else. Yeah, now you catching Johnny's ass whooping. Like this ass whooping was meant for Johnny, but you just here right now. So fuck mm-hmm. it's now. Now it's yours. It, it's funny because I, I tell people I haven't gotten to a fight in many, many, many years, and I tell people I say, man, especially being in the car business, you get some irate customers and all for no reason. And I don't build none of these cars. I'm not Mister Toyota mm-hmm. or Honda. Like Ford, you just sell it. Something break. I'm the last person they see, so that I get the I get the wrath, and of course I gotta stay professional. But if it ever gets to that point where I gotta throw some hands with somebody, mm. they getting it from the guys that cuss me out, the guys that spit at me, the guy that motherfucked me in traffic, the guy that yeah. in the department <laughs> store. They, they gonna they gonna get it for all of those people. Yeah. <laughs> However far back my mind's gonna go, they are gonna yeah. get it for all of them. Just a whole all of them. A whole reparations ass whipping of anger. Oh yeah. The, the, yeah, they, that's exactly. They gonna get it for all of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They gonna get it for all of them. Mm-hmm. They gonna get it for all of them. Man, what 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 is it like working in it? Like you do, you say you so you said like as far as like the car dealership, you're the last line of the person. So what do you do? The finance? Uh, no, I'm actually I'm the, I'm one of the sales managers. Okay. So I yeah, I'm, I'm one of the sales managers. So it's I I, I do everything. So whatever I, whatever point I have to get involved, I get. Involved. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I do. I've been doing this thirty years, thirty something years. So I do whatever I have to do. But it's it's yeah, it's it's, it's different. Yeah, you know, I, some some this car sales is not what people think either. You think mm-hmm. you go in there, you go to work, people show up, and you become a car. It's a lot of stuff, man. I mean, you have to do training. You have to do comparison, competitive stuff. Like Toyota comes out with a new car, we come out with a new one. We got to. See the difference. You got to have training on the difference. You got to do riding drives. You have to know. And now with, with the internet stuff out there, these people coming in, there, they know more they stuff know. about the car. Than they you know. Do. They know what they want. They know what they want. They said this is this is what I'm looking for. If you ain't got it, I'm, I'm on to the next person who does. And, and and then even technical stuff. How much does this tow? And how much horsepower? And what's the torque ratios? And all this stuff. This is stuff you have to know. And you can't lie because as soon as you lie, they already know the answer. And they're gonna see if you're gonna lie to them because the industry is so known for not being truthful mm-hmm. that. As soon as you lie to them, your confidence is gone. You, you, you lost as soon as you lie to them. I always tell them, tell your customers, if it's something that's important to you, I will find out for you. But don't lie to them because once you once you lose the confidence with them, they, they're not going to believe anything you say from that point on, you know. But they come in saying, they'll ask for cars and stuff that I didn't even know we had or even coming out. The internet knows before we do. And so that's like a prototype. That's not, we don't even know if that's going to get made or not. 
Well, they said August 5th. And so we started in line. Okay, well, come back August 5th. We'll see how close we are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They know more stuff than we do. Yeah. A lot of times. A lot of times. Yeah. I'm the numbers guy. I'm the, I'm the numbers guy. I'm, You're more of the I'm analytics? When I'm doing car deals, I don't even know what kind of car it is. I'm, mm. I'm the numbers guy. Okay. Yeah, I used to because I used to work inside of a car dealership. I did the insurance. I used to work. Yeah, I used to do the insurance out of a car dealership. So mm-hmm. when people, you know, buy new cars, they don't have no insurance. They would just go to me or whatever stuff like that. Right. Um, but it's it's changed a lot this year and stuff like that. Have you seen like that? Like with like people trying to get insurance where they get their car, you know, try to get it. Um, they can't get it same day no more. I heard. Can't yeah. Get insurance same day. Yeah, a lot of some companies do, but a lot of the like the preferred companies that a lot of people like to go to, like Geico or. Um, State Farm, Allstate, those type of companies, yeah, they don't do like you know first day. They do like you know you gotta have like a two week trial period and all that stuff. The, the lower substandard companies that you know take a lot of those high risk drivers, they'll do you know insurance the same day. But you're dealing with those types of insurance companies, you know. Exactly, the ones you don't really want to deal with. Yeah, the ones you don't want to deal with, or the ones that don't want to <laughs> deal with you. <laughs> the yep. ones that will leave you on hold for 30 minutes and stuff like that you see a lot of that like you see a lot of people struggling like has car sales been affected by this car sales are, uh right now are kind of slow mm-hmm. i mean it, um during covid they were ridiculous we was we was it was real busy during covid because yeah. people had saved their money up because they didn't they stayed home and didn't go nowhere so they mm-hmm. had plenty of money so during when covid's kind of loosened up a little bit the car business got real busy busy so it's kind of back to normal now mm-hmm. and um it's it's I'm, I'm the type of person be doing it so long i don't worry about it i show up to work every day because i mean there's been ups and downs and slows and fast and stuff in 30 something years so i just go to work every day and do the best you know that you can while you're there and hope for the best i mean that's all you can do is it busy on the weekends i've, I've had no cars on the weekend until 10 on a monday you just it, i don't even try to predict the car business no more yeah. you know what i'm saying you just never know you just never, ever, ever know. It's like I say, it's a numbers game. Yeah. It's a numbers game. The, the the amount, you know, the the amount that effort that you put in is what you're gonna get. You know, you're not gonna sell every, you know, but like sell every person a car. But like I say, come down to the numbers game, and you know the percentages and stuff like that. Like you say, I know if I didn't, as long as I put the work in that day, I may not have sold a car. Like in my, you know, my business, I didn't may not have sold a policy, but as long as I put the work in, I know the numbers are gonna be in my favor to where, like you say, the very next day, I, oh, I know tomorrow's gonna be a good day. Yeah, see, a lot of people can't do commission sale business because this this so programs are punching in and out and knowing what their checks are going to be and how many hours they work and they can figure it out. Commission sales is, is way different, as you know. I mean, they, I, I've been in the business 33 years, and I, I don't think I've had the same check twice mm-hmm. in 33 years. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And people say, well, I, I had a buddy. I got in the business. He made $7,000 the first two weeks, got his little check, went out, bottle service, turned up everything, and he's like, okay, I right, seven. Next month, I'll make, I mean, next half, I'll make another seven. Okay, say I make five. Another. He didn't make nothing the second half. So yeah. he blew his whole seven racks the first two weeks. He didn't have no money. He's like, oh, man, I got no money. I got to pay this. You can't. See, some people can't live like that. All I do is look at the end of the month and the end of the year. You can't be sitting there worrying about week to week and day to day. You may not sell nothing the first 10 days and then sell 10 cars in the next three days. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you just, it, you have to be somebody that's cut out for that kind of structure, it's different. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely definitely different type of like I said, the, the the mental aspect of it. Like you're saying, you gotta keep your head on a swivel. Like just like you say, if you, you get that big check, man, don't don't rush it, don't don't spend it, you know what I'm saying? Like figure out what you could do to hold on to it. I mean I, I kinda l- learned that just from doing acting. You know what I'm saying? Like you may like I got 
no, I think the most I got paid from acting, I think I did like a like a six week job doing standard work on a movie stuff like that. I think I mm-hmm. came away with like maybe like thirteen thousand dollars, you know. But then like mm-hmm. that was that was the last book work I had booked, you know, like for, for, yeah, for yeah, like yeah, for like yeah, the year. Like yeah. I was like, God damn, like I'm over thinking like, oh man, every other month at least I'm about to be pulling in like thirteen thousand racks. Could oh, we yeah. we yeah. do this? Hell yeah! But then yeah, then a month go by, I'm like shit. Next month go by, I'm like damn. You know, but or maybe okay, maybe I maybe pulled five hundred, but it's not that thirteen thousand I was expecting. It's right. It, it's yeah. It, it's definitely a different beast. It's definitely a different animal. You got to really, uh, the mental aspect, the mental game that it plays on. You got to really have your head on a swivel. Yeah, you have to. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's like I said, it's not for everybody. It's not everybody. Some people get into business and they they think they can make the money and. They even have the intelligence and they can make the money. They just don't put the time in. Then they see how the pay plan and stuff is. And they just like, I can't do this. I just, mm-hmm. it really fucks with their psyche. I mean, they're like, I can't do, I made no money this month. I mean, it was these first two weeks. Okay. You, you got an hourly check, but you got two weeks more to make some money and you got appointments and stuff set up. So yeah. I can't do this. They really, it fucks with them. You yeah. Know? So, Cause nobody gets into the sales game for an hourly pay. You no. know, we, no, we, they don't want to pay you. They want you to pay yourself. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want to pay you. They mm-hmm. want you to, to earn your money. Because if you're earning your money and getting your percentage, they're getting their percentage. So mm-hmm. they want you to earn your money. You know, they don't want to pay you for showing up. Yep. They don't want to pay you for showing up. Nobody does, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you Nobody does. Do your work and do your job. Exactly. Exactly. Like, luckily. Yeah, you don't, like I said, they don't, a lot of people don't, they don't, some people can't, they just can't do it. They really just can't do it. Especially when you tell them, all the salesmen tell them, oh, I made, I've been averaging eight grand a month, or I made 12 grand last month. They'd be juiced. Oh, man, I'm going to come get in this business. First month, they make three grand or two grand or minimum wage. And they're like, oh, man, it's whatever to that well, take. I mean, yeah, because, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a lot of the smoke and mirrors in it, too, and stuff like that, because, you know, mm-hmm. like, one, like, I think that, like, because, um, like, when you come into it, like, and people tell you, yeah, I made 8000 but you don't realize they, they, they've been in the game for, like, maybe, like, 10 years plus or something like that to to learn the the technique and what you got, the work ethic that it takes to, to, to get that and stuff like that. I know that was, like, one of my big struggles, too, like, especially, like, when I first got out to do it, life insurance and, like, it's just the mm-hmm. fact that you know you gotta talk to people about death and stuff like that, but then on top of that, you stress it out over just trying to sell a policy just to you know t- to put some money in your pocket. That that mental aspect, right. that yeah, that 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 mental aspect is crazy. You gotta you really gotta be built for that. I mean, I, I've taken I've taken brothers off the street that was standing doing hand to hand on the block and got them in the car business. I took probably about four, but two two of my success stories. It, those are people that think they don't they don't know anything else. That's all I know how to do. That's what my daddy did. This is all I can do. And I'm like, nah, man, this it ain't no different. You running a business out here. Don't you understand that? Mm-hmm. You know, so I get get him in the car business. I got a brother in the car business. And his first year, he made a hundred thousand dollars. He bought a big rig. Now he has four of them and started his own company. But the killer is he sold a car to a nurse that he met and ended up marrying her started the business and they've been together ever since they got a couple kids, but he, he learned a different way. He bought me a Rolex a year later, a little, little cheap Santa steel Rolex, but it was just, you know, the thing for getting them out. Then I had another dude that I got in the car business and um, what did he do? Oh, he got in the car business. He stayed about a little over a year. He made a hundred racks and he met some chick. He met some chick at the car lot and um, 
she had some sort of business and got him involved in the business with him and they opened their own company and they got, you know, he and eventually got out the car business and he's been running his business. So people think they have no skills. Like mothers and wives say that all the time when their husband always took care of all the bills and stuff. I don't have any skills. What do you mean? You're, you're a baker, you're a cook, you're a housekeeper, you're, this is all stuff that you, these are skills that you have that you've been doing your whole life. So you can do this, this stuff that, that you can do and get paid for, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So once they, once they see a way, but I mean, unfortunately, black people, black people, for some reason, don't they don't they don't we don't do our families like that. I mean, the ones that don't. One reason why I say that you go you go into, they call them Arab stores because they don't know anything that's better than that. You go into that, they got a six year old on the register mm. working the register, ringing your stuff up. You go into the go to the beauty supply. They got five year old Asian kids following you around and showing you stuff. You know what I'm saying? But black people won't do that. They don't, they don't, if they have businesses, they usually don't have their kids and families and stuff. And they, I say usually there's there's some that's some <laughs> there's some that maybe um they might, but most of them is it's, it's not like that. They just I, it's, it comes to that being more successful than they are. Remember, I was talking about that. Because mm. I have a I have a brother that came in, he went to um Mississippi Valley State, young brother dressed nice, all that came in, started working with us for a while. And um he showed me a video. He gave his mom a car when he graduated college and all that kind of stuff. And she was going crazy. They from Texas, country, you know, country folk. And then he told me, he said, well, his mom and dad ain't together no more. But I said, what's your dad do? He said, well, he owns three Popeyes and two Mexican restaurants and something else. And I'm like, he owns them? He said, oh, yeah, those are his. He's, he said, okay, well, what, what are you doing here in the car business? You know what I'm saying? He's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he sent me to school to, you know, be a CPA and blah, 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 business management and all that. And I'm like, well, I want to show you how to open you know, a couple of Popeyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the school. That's the schooling right there. Like, if your pop, that, your yeah, pops, I mean, that's, that's the professor. That's, well, if he sends you to school to be an accountant, why aren't you his accountant? You know what I'm saying? Why won't he's all? Oh, no, it ain't like that, man. And blah 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 blah. And that, and that, that hurt my soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, that hurt my soul. You know, what I mean, why wouldn't you show if you're successful like that and you know the game? Why wouldn't you pass that on to your son or to your family? You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't have to hire one to make them make them flip chicken and flip burgers, but you could show him the business end of it. You know what I'm saying? You sent him to school to be a business major and you won't help him get into business. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a, like you the, know? like the word, like, you know, like, like it's, it's like, um, like there's a mom and pop business, but then there's the mom, uh-huh. mom or pop. It's one or the other, you know say that? Like you say, the black community, you get the mom or a pop business. Whereas like I say, if you're saying like white people, stuff like that, things that they pass on and stuff like that, it's a mom and pop business. And and that's Correct. also the stig- the stigma that I come that comes with um like trying to sell life insurance or tra- you know say mm-hmm. to people stuff like that because first they say it's a scam and stuff like that I was like well it's not really a scam it's just that you have to get a policy that works for you and understand mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, that's crazy. I'm doing a podcast. But uh, yeah, that's 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 crazy. That's just. I, 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 don't, I just I don't understand why that is you know I don't understand why they 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 they, they be like that I just I, I can't understand it you don't think they would rather I mean I, you think he's scared that he might because he's young and up and coming that he might open five Popeyes instead um, of the three that he got maybe maybe this is that animosity I think that like I said that just comes with the fact that um because we have it easier now 
you know, the po- mm-hmm. like the, the opportunities that we have, we may, you know, have it easy now. Maybe there's that sense of like resentment, you know, that like because they know like if they do, if they was to start something now, like a business or whatever it may be, and you know, the likeness of their father, mother, whatever it may be. Yeah, there's that that mm-hmm. there's a strong possibility that they 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 they'd be more successful at it. Not only because like when it's in their genes, like it's in like their nature. Like I've seen my folks do it. You know, that comes from the nurturing. I was nurtured into this business, but now that I'm in the na- now understanding the nature of the business that I'm in, of course mm-hmm. I'm gonna be more successful. That's what that's what you know kids are supposed to be. I, I mean, that's what you hope for. Yeah, that's what you would hope for. Like for. I don't like I, like it'd be it it would be weird for me to like. Um, you know, invite my family out to a comedy show and then, you know, like they may be support like, Ooh, that's my baby. But then, you know, there's that one family member in the back that's not cheering as loud, you know, not, mm-hmm. not as happy at your success and stuff like that. Just look at like that resentment. Cause like, man, like, I, like that could have been me. You know, I, I wish I could have done that. Mm-hmm. I think I get that a lot with like, when it comes to, like acting, like say like in the comedy world, just a lot of that whole, like, cause I try to keep family separate from me like if they want to of course if they want to come support the show and stuff like that but just the business aspect of you know the day ins and day outs of what it is to be like an actor or comedian stuff like that I try to try to keep, I, keep I them separate I, I auditioned for kevin hart heart of the city um oakland version i auditioned um i did the, I actually did the paramount theater and it was so funny because people that were giving me the little five minute sets and all that as i was climbing in my career they said, man, I heard you did the Paramount. It was sold out. I heard you killed it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, um, other comics. Hey, man, um, how did you get that gig? You know, and I'm like, they called me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they they, they praise you and say, okay, cool. But they're like, how did you get that? Because they've been in the business three times longer than me and they haven't played the Paramount and stuff like that. So how, how did you get that gig? How did I get it? They called me. Kevin Hart, when I did the Kevin Hart thing, they said, listen, it's going to be only taking 30 comics. It's three days, 10 comics each show to do seven minutes. So this, they said, Sass, just come in. I was only a year, year and a half in the business. They said, listen, there's going to be a lot of people that think they're more deserving, and, and probably some of them are going to show up. But just come, just, just, just ground out the noise, come do your seven minutes, and don't worry about nothing else. Just let it go. And of course, there was people that's like, how does he you know he only been doing comedy a year? Yeah, and how how he get you know blah blah. Because they asked asked promoters and stuff in the town, and my name came up in all the places, and they were like, okay. So they went around and they picked the people they wanted. But at the same time, other cats is like, how did you get that gig? Or how did you get that nigga? They call me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not star chasing or fame chasing nigga. They call me. Mm-hmm. They don't. I, I don't know these people. They call and say, hey, Sass, want to come do a set? Yes. Would you like to be in this um this showcase we're putting together? Would you like to do it? Sure. I got a call. I accept it. Life goes on. Yeah, you take advantage of that opportunity. Who would be mad? Why be mad? Yep. Why be mad? Well, why, why be hating? Because then you gotta you gotta look at the standpoint like, well, that opportunity like all I have to do is just work maybe just a little bit harder, just maybe you know be in the right room now at the right time, you know, say at the right place. You're not going to get famous from just hanging out in your room, you know, hanging out of the house all day. True. You can't, you know, say, because based off the referral, like, you'll say, like, I didn't put myself out there. Like, this is what people are saying about me. So, obviously, I'm doing something right by putting myself out there. You know, whether I'm putting myself out there for, like I said, only been doing it for a year, a year and a half and stuff like that. But I've been putting myself out there for a year and a half, man. You ain't been putting yourself out there for the past five years. I can't. I, I ain't, what, what can I do about that? Perfect, perfect, perfect 
perfect example. I mean, not saying I don't care if people do or don't. I don't smoke, drink, do drugs. I never have. Mm-hmm. I just I just can't handle being in an altered state. And like if I drink a beer, you'd be carrying my big ass to the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a lightweight. But when I did Monique in Vegas, I did a weekend up there with her, and she's like, "Oh, you'd be a perfect person to take on the road." And blah 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 blah. And I say, "Well, I can't. I'm tied to my job and stuff right now." You know, she's like. Well, what happens is they grab these people um, to open for them from like the internet and stuff where people they locally that have 700,000 followers and all this stuff and they figure they'll sell tickets, people will come see them. But every time what happens is they're in Vegas, young guys and young girls that mm. turn up at the club. They're, they're drunk, they're covered in high. Yep. In their room or some young guy in the room and all that. And guess where it goes to? Uh, that's that nigga that's with um Monique. Oh, that's that mm-hmm. cat that's with Mike Epp. Yeah. Oh, that's that cat. Now they're that's using their celebrity. Yep. Now they're using their exactly. celebrity for so clout. They tie, yep. they tie him right to that. And they say, you know, you said in your ways, you're always clean, you're always sharp. You know, you got your family life, your work life. We ain't worried about you. No matter where we go, we don't have to worry about you. You're gonna be professional from the time you're plane land to the time you leave. So you'd be like the perfect person for any comic to take on the road because they don't have to worry about you. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, I wasn't in that position at that time to be able to do that. But that's the kind of stuff. And then people, they go on stage with drinks in their hand and hella hoorah and hella loud and acting stupid and want to smoke weed out front with other comics and all. And wonder why. <laughs> They've been doing the same thing for a million years. You know what I'm saying? Tommy T, when I did my first show at Tommy T's, it was with uh, Jay Rich. And um, I did a show there and it was a Wednesday night. We had 190-something people. And it's like, we never get this many people. It's my first show there with um, before I did my own shows. And my tickets had my name on them, plus I staffed them. They said, wow, we got 190 people, but 140-something of your people, Sass. I said, well, cool. They said, when do you want to do your own show here? So that's how I got my first show there. And then Tommy T was like, I want you to have your own show. Um, send me some pictures to put on the flyer or put on the um, computer, on the, on the web page and stuff, right? And Tristan told me, after I did a couple shows with Tristan, he said, Sass, Go spend the money and get some nice headshots. Not the ones in your kitchen and standing in your, you know, get some mm-hmm. nice, spend the money, get some nice headshots. He told me that from the beginning. So, of course, I did the shit right away. So, when Tommy said, send me some headshots, you know, woo, 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 I sent him three or four. First text I got back was nice headshots. Mm-hmm. First thing he said was nice headshots. Headshots is important. Right? Headshots are important. They don't. That's the first thing they see. That's the first thing. They, that's the first thing they're going to see about you. That's going to get them a vibe from you. And like I say, your headshots should show off your personality, show off who you are. That yeah, like I said, that's that. That's show a, that you care about what show about you. That you care. You care it shows that you care about your profession. It shows that you care about your career. Like I guess on the actor side, they'd be like, okay, do you have a resume? On the comedian side, they'd be like, was that an EPK kit or what right, is? Yeah. yeah. So like yeah. just just things like that that do that that separates you from being um a really funny comedian and then a professional comedian it's it's so when i did my first show tom t i was so nervous when i did my own show it's, it's your child you know what i'm saying it's like having a new baby you know so i was so nervous and i brought a big stack like this into tommy t's like what is that i said <clears throat> well these are all my people that have reserve seats and i had made papers up for them and had like my sponsor's logos on it i had a printed out list of the comics, their music, their time. I did a, and they're like, Sass. I'm like, what? They said, nobody ever does this. I said, what do you mean? She said, I can, I can print out the stuff for the thing, but 
you know, it's usually written on a napkin or a piece of paper and all stuff. I was like, I had a folder. I was like, I, I want it to be everything to be right. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I was so, they said, nobody ever does this. You know, that's why from the very beginning, my relationship with them started off so well, because they know if I put my name on something, I'm going to put the effort and work into it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, so everything was like, I mean, what do you mean? They said, we don't, nobody does this fast. I mean, you got all this stuff ready. I said, yeah, this is the song. This is the order. This is the minutes. This is the, I had it all figured out because I didn't want to go in there looking raggedy and looking like everybody else. So that was just my impression how it was supposed to be. But when I did it, it worked out, you know what I'm saying? So I get those gigs. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, like when you guys said, I want to do Tommy T's, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to tell you it's probably going to be a Wednesday or Thursday. And um, I could probably pull it off, but, you know, let me talk to her and all that kind of stuff. If I say somebody's name or I, if I put my name on something, they usually don't tell me no. Because mm. they know if I put my name on something, I'm going to put the effort in and work. There's some comics, even big name comics that come to town. They're not, they're big names and not really big draws, but they're real good comics, funny as hell. And they tell them, that's got to be on the show or I'm not doing the show because they know that I'm going to be hustling. I'm going to be out doing tickets, putting posters in all the restaurants, beauty supplies, barbershops. They know I'm going to be out there getting people in. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So those people, not saying they're not funny, they're hilarious, but they don't like draw. They're usually, they're on, on the, like, they're on the co- coattails of somebody else. Somebody else's big show, like Cat Williams and Martin Lawrence. And then you go see them, and then they pop up, and they're like, wow, this, this motherfucker's funny. This motherfucker's real good. But you don't know that because you're going to see somebody else, and then you see that person. Mm. But when they put their name on a marquee, you don't really know them. You only know them from being behind somebody else. But they're funny. So it takes that little extra, you know, push to get, get the rooms full or fuller, you know. And so I get put on those shows. Nice. I nice. get put on those shows. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, Big Sass, man. Like I said, man, I appreciate you hopping on to the, uh, the Yeah Buddy podcast. Man, I want to... Uh, take up too much more of your time uh uh but i do appreciate okay, all the man. all the insight and the uh the information the conversation that we had today um tell yeah, us before, yeah before we do uh what what are your uh your social media handles so where people can follow you at okay my, my i have one man i, I mean I, I never had facebook and myspace and all that stuff because I'm, I'm an og cat and i only did the instagram so people can see my shows but it's big sass b-i-g-s-a-s 100 because i keep shit 100 so you can follow me on Instagram. I post all my shows and stuff. And sometimes I do have free shows or I'll give random free tickets away to people. So follow your boy. And, um, you know, yeah, buddy is, 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 has been a, um, a, a good asset to my advancement in this comedy game, just as far as getting my name and stuff out there. And I appreciate you and your podcast and what you're doing for me. But, um, they call me the comic zaddy. If you look at my page, you'll see, I have this whole zaddy image. You see that? Got the zaddy lack on the Cadillac. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's your zaddy? You know what I'm saying? That's me, you know. Um, Good-looking, well-groomed, in-shape, silver fox. You know what I'm saying? That's the whole zaddy uh, image. Yes, but sir, yes, Big sir. Stats 100 on Instagram. <laughs> Big Stats 100 on IG. And um, don't forget, follow your boy, yeah, buddy, if you don't already. And Big Sass is here. And uh, I'm holla at your boy, man. As always, I'm keeping the shit 100. Yes, sir. Follow me at Big Sass 100. Like always, you can follow me at yeah, buddy, ENT, and at funny business on all social media platforms so like i say yeah this has been the yeah buddy podcast thank you again to our guest this evening mr big sass in the building and uh, i've been your host <laughs> buddy ramming um this is the show y'all i will catch y'all on the next one deuces all right man as always keep it 100 thank you mr buddy sir thank you thank you all right 100